Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the movie we watched at midnight was Gregor Jordan's Two Hands. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. Luke? Uh, Nash, we already did Spook Fest, and you got me watching another movie with a zombie in it, bro. You mi- you oh missed God. the you missed the chance to watch the zombie movie. You should have watched it in October, dude. Yeah, what a shame. Um, so we got two hands here. Funny enough, this is another Australian film after we just did Gallipoli, and I swear to God, I had no idea that it was going to be an Australian film when um, I picked it for my pick on the uh, poll last week. I literally just, like, realized... I don't know too much about Heath Ledger, dude. Like, um... Yeah. You and me, I think we were probably, like, 13 or 14 when Dark Knight came out. I, th- I remember it being, like, late middle school. I want to say that that movie came out maybe for us. Yeah. And it's... One of the greatest performances of all time, period. Don't even need to elaborate yeah. on it. Everyone just knows that. And so I was <laughs> kind of... don't, you're wrong. Yeah, and I was, I was kind of like, well, okay, well, I was thinking about it. I was like, this is one of the greatest performances of all time. Heath Ledger has to be one of the greatest actors of all time by, like, transitive property, right? Why haven't I seen that many Heath Ledger movies other than, like, A Knight's Tale? So I saw Two Hands, was like, yo, let's pick it. And it turns out to be this really interesting Australian film. And I honestly enjoyed it, dude. So... Let's get into the cast. First off, we got yeah, yeah, um, right. guess guess who we have first in the movie? Heath Ledger. Didn't give that one away <laughs> two minutes ago. He's playing Jimmy, who's a pretty interesting character, very happy-go-lucky, and you can tell he's a young kid. Then we also have Rose um, By- Byron or Brian or something. I think it's Byron. Byring, Byreen. Anyway. <laughs> she's super it's not bernie it's not bernie she's super famous dude watching it last night no idea looked up her imdb she's in bridesmaids she's the wife in the neighbors um she's in like that movie that came out recently called like spy or whatever or i spy or something i had she's in she's in clone wars bro she's in the clone wars dude like i had no idea that it was her and it's crazy that this is actually her first movie um, well, I think she had like a TV series under it, but from what I saw on the IMDb, this is one of her first movies, and I just I thought I thought that was crazy, and she's playing Alex, and um, there's other characters in the movie like Pando and like um his kind of gang, and then there's like the little kids and stuff, but I really felt like the movie was Heath Ledger's story, so I didn't want to list out every person in the cast when it really just comes down to being Heath Ledger. You feel me on that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's, I think that's a fair point to make. Um, Gregor Jordan, do we know much more about him? Is this, is this the only thing we know about him? It was the only thing I'd ever heard of. Had you seen anything on his IMDb you knew about? No, I didn't, I didn't know about anything else. We'll probably come back to him in later episodes. Yeah, so right. <laughs> so, you want to, uh, do you want We'll hop into the setting because it's <laughs> uh, set in the year of its release. Um, Heath Ledger plays the role of Jimmy, a young, happy-go-lucky kid. Um, he starts doing odd jobs to make some money as he works for like a strip club being a bouncer. And, um, by odd jobs, it's pretty much everything that's illegal. Um, illicit activities. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Jimmy starts making mistakes, um, in the job that he gets and this agitates the gangsters who hired him. And that's pretty much the whole plot of the movie is the, the repercussions of the mistakes he's made. Yeah. So it's definitely a pretty straight crime story when you kind of develop the plot in the world but as we get into it i think there is a good amount of stuff to make this crime movie stand out yeah so uh that's that's gonna be something to keep in mind for sure yeah so trailer boy tell me about this trailer well 
First off, the shots in the trailer, they're like totally out of order from the actual movie. 100%. They they establish the plot pretty well, though. Um, except it gives the movie more of like this huge action, f- you know, film. And it, it really like doesn't contain that much action. Like I would say it's it has more comedy than it does action and more drama than it has both. Yeah, and the um the scenes that they intercut between each other are extremely different points in the movie just where the characters are. Like the, yeah. the stuff when he's talking to her and the um, bank robbery stuff in the trailer, it, so much happens to Heath Ledger between those two moments and conversations that it is a little untrue to how the movie actually plays out, but it definitely gives you the feeling of what the movie is, right? Yeah, no, I think it does a pretty good job. I, I don't think it's a bad trailer. Um other than the fact it totally excludes, and we'll get into this more when we start talking about it. We don't want to spoil it, but it really excludes like the biggest issue that we had with the movie. Yeah, <laughs> totally from the trailer. Yeah. So what 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 kind of uh, motifs and themis do we have in two hands? Well, Nash, what can these two <laughs> hands do, buddy boy? <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> you know, bro, honestly, I think this is another one of those movies that isn't super rooted in the motifs and everything. I think it was kind of also a plot that just wanted to give us these really high explosive moments that kind of made us just go jaw-dropping, but... I really thought the kind of point that they were trying to make about crime and gangsters and whatnot is being a person who does stuff with their hands. You know what I mean? Like, like you need somebody to go do that illicit activity. Who's going to be the guy that you hire to go and do these things. And essentially he's doing them with his hands literally. So it's kind of like that figurative thing of like, what do you do with your hands? Are you responsible with them? I don't know what you do once you're supposed to go to bed with your hands. I don't want to know anything about that. (laughs) That's what the movie's about. Jerking off essentially. Oh my God. Oh Jesus! Well, All wait, right, wait, well, wait, 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 wait. Can you can you what? comment on like the, the, what? There's also that yin yang stuff going on, but again, it's not like super talked about and upfront. Yeah, in the movie. I don't think. Yeah, I think they try to present the yin yang thing, but I just I don't really see it. Yeah, it's not come to fruition. Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of like, and it's also riding on that thing that you and I think is the most detrimental thing to the movie as well. Yeah, it's really, it's kind of, because there are kind of two plots in this movie. There's the major plot with Heath Ledger, then there's a subplot. And they're really just sort of about finding what you need to find. Yeah. It's like what what they're about. There's, there's, it's, I think it's kind of hard. Um, And this kind of happens with themes and motifs when the movie is like a comedy, because the themes aren't really that pertinent. You know, yeah, they're they're more slapped on, whereas the whole point is just to watch what's going on. Yeah, exactly. That's the point I wanted to make make about the movie. You know, there's definitely movies where that what where they're trying to just shove stuff down your throat in that sense. Then I felt like this really wasn't one of those movies. So that's how I feel about the motifs and themes for two hands. (laughs) So uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. I think I gave that away already. I did like the movie. Yeah, no, I'd give it a thumbs up, too. So. Now that we've given you a taste of this movie, we really don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it. So if you haven't already, like and subscribe to our channel. Pause this video so you can check this one out for yourself. Or don't. I don't care. But (laughs) we think you should. So, 
Zombie stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's address the elephant in the room first. What? What the heck, what, man? What the hell is going on? The first thing I really want to drive home with the zombie stuff is that the movie is good without that stuff. There's awesome moments that the movie leads up to, builds to, and has great climaxes without having all this weird like fourth wall breaking monologue stuff from his dead brother and it's also super unclear that it's his dead brother until like halfway through the movie dude you know what i mean i mean sort of they say he's his brother yeah but like the way that they film it is like for that first scene you think that he's the one who got shot in the head and then possibly i thought that it was his dead body talking like about the situation to himself and we were kind of just going to get to that point in the movie and he was going to die right there you know so well starting off one of the reasons i think this was an interesting movie was because that's just the way I interpreted the beginning, which I was wrong. I, I interpreted it incorrectly, but I thought that the dead body was Heath Ledger because they do look pretty similar. They cast him pretty yeah. well to be his older brother. And um, the whole time watching the movie, I thought we were going to build up to that scene where he gets shot in the head, and then obviously he doesn't get shot in the head. So once that happened, that was a really big twist that I enjoyed from the movie. But the fact that they set it up that way and had all those fourth wall breaks and the weird stuff with the zombie brother definitely made the start of this movie super shaky. Like, I don't think I really appreciated the movie until we were about an hour in. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it was kind of... It put it on unstable ground is the best way I think to put it because you don't really like, that's what you first see in the movie is him. Like this zombie brother waking up. Yeah. And it really does all those scenes with him. It's kind of like, this is 100% unnecessary in the film. Mm -hmm. It doesn't speak to any sort of greater truth about what's going on. The only thing that is relevant is that we need to know that his brother died where he's about to get executed. Um, when they take him out to like the dunes or whatever. Yeah. And that's only partially relevant. Like if they, if they cut out all of that stuff and even that scene where they mention his brother, again, the, the movie doesn't suffer at all from it. Lit- I think yeah. it'd probably benefit really. Cause the, the, the zombie brother just seems sort of, it's very forced and it's like, it's trying to be something bigger than it is, but it, doesn't ever achieve that because first off it doesn't really make sense even by the end of it yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah. kind of like why do i have this like ethereal plane even being brought up into this movie that's sort of grounded in a lot of realism exactly that's i think that's the biggest contrast is that everything happening with the crime story is super realistic in in reality and then there's all these juxtaposed scenes where he's breaking the fourth wall giving us long monologues even the weird scene where he touches his cheek and like gives yeah, him that oh yeah. whole shock and everything like if if it was executed in a better way then i feel like it could have been done coolly but i straight up don't think it was executed in the correct way for what they were going for like it really feels like they just put it in there so it could be like huh our movie's a, a little a little quirky like we have this extra dead guy in just to give it like a little bit of extra spice and like like I said, as we're going to continue going over the plot, I really do not think it was necessary to put so much emphasis on this weird little zombie brother fourth wall break monologues, you know? Yeah, it really, it, for me, it felt like they're trying to force something in to be like, yeah, our movie's different. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different doesn't mean better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you and know, that, what, what, sorry. That, that, it's just sort of hard to... 
it really does just doesn't it's a piece of the puzzle that doesn't fit because it, it plays no immediate impact on anything that happens it doesn't really explain anything any better except for that one scene that has one line that mentions it and it's like that it, it really is just unnecessary and takes you out of the movie because it's like why am i seeing this and there's barely even any time if anytime at all where Heath Ledger like acknowledges his dead brother. Am, am I, am I wrong on that? Was there one part in the movie where he even acknowledged his brother's existence? I don't remember one. Do you? I genuinely think the only, there may have been one. Um, when he's talking about Pando at the, the lady's house, and it, again, it's two lines of dialogue. And then the other time is when he's at the beach and it's one line of dialogue. Like it, it it's yeah. totally unimportant. Yeah. 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 And the, the rest of the movie, like you said, is so tonally realistic that it really is just, why is this in the movie straight up? You know? So that was de- what, that first topic we talked about was definitely made it sound shaky. Like we don't actually like the movie. So now that the white elephant is addressed and we can kind of say the zombie stuff just doesn't work out as a whole, you want to kind of get into the structure of the story because I feel like it's told in a very specific way that could be related to other types of stories that aren't necessarily American told. You know what I mean? I think you mentioned to me like it reminded you a lot of British crime type movies and I haven't seen a lot of Australian yeah. movies, but I think Neither it was definitely <laughs> yeah, I think it was definitely noticeable that the plot was different enough for me to say, "Oh, this is a screenplay from another country," you know? Have you ever seen, um, what is it? I think it's Mr. Bean's, like, European Vacation. Yeah, very possibly, like, um, with, uh, with, like, Johnny English, right? That guy? Yeah, that guy, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's something, um, because when I first, I had never seen any of those movies, and that's, like, the only one that I've seen, um, and I was pretty iffy about seeing the movie, Okay. And one of the first things that you see in the movie, and it comes back like a few times, is this, there's this tank, like there's like a a World War II tank in the movie. And the whole time I'm just like, why in God's name is that tank? Like, why are there clips of this tank in the movie? And then it becomes one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. I don't want to spoil it later on in the movie. And that is the type of thing that happens a lot i feel like in british movies um in their story structure and especially i think british crime movies have that aspect of storytelling in them a lot and you mean i'm sorry just to clarify what you're saying you mean like things that are subtly sprinkled in that eventually lead to something much more grand is that that's kind of the point you're making yeah, it's it's like a different take on everything being important that you see. Okay, that's a, yeah, that's a good because you know how it's like when we reviewed like uh, the Prestige, it's like every scene is important because of literally the actors are telling them some something more about the characters that we're seeing, and that's what we really need to understand. Yeah, in those movies, it's like you'll get clips of something that seems totally irrelevant, totally you know. You know, to the side, it's just sort of building atmosphere. And then later on, it becomes a much more important plot device. Like, this is kind of how we establish uh, the subplot, plot B, 
for this movie with the the kids that find the money. Exactly. And, you know, to build off what you're talking about right now, the first scene we see is of the little kid just pickpocketing the guy. And it's like for less than 30 seconds, then it goes right back to Heath Ledger. So when I first saw, saw that scene, I thought that they were maybe just expanding upon the world and showing that they live in this city where crime is just really apparent. But then we keep going back to the kids. And by the end of the movie, it's a huge point in the plot when the kids actually um, kind of move forward. So that was my initial reaction. I don't even think I told you that during the movie was like, why did I just watch that kid pickpocket that guy randomly and now we're back to Heath Ledger? Yeah, exactly. And so th- those type of things, um, that I think is called, when it happens so many times, it's like a recurring thing for a movie. Um, it's called like a plot coupon. Okay, I've, I've never heard that term, but I like it. <laughs> so it gets introduced, and it seems irrelevant. Later on, it becomes more like important to the plot. It is something that actually moves the plot. When the whole plot is structured around something like that, it's called a MacGuffin. Okay. And it's something Alfred, Hitch- Alfred Hitchcock loved to use. Kind of like um, in Pulp Fiction, um, the briefcase is a MacGuffin, because you don't really know what it is. You don't need to know, but it's what's moving the plot. Yeah, exactly. You see, you see it, and that's about it. Yeah, okay. So this movie, I don't think, really has a MacGuffin, but it has more of plot coupons sprinkled in throughout that all come together to be more important by the end of the movie. Yeah, totally, totally. So while we're on the subject of the kids, let's kind of talk about those wham-bam moments, as I would like to call them in the script. Specifically, the first one is when that kid gets slammed by the car, bro. Oh, my God, that was oh, gnarly yeah. when they... Sh- move back and his legs were all twisted. I was like, dang, bro, you did not need to show me all of that. And I think that is the idea of that right there of how these kids were just walking on the street and then they got hit by the car of the person that we also know is really where the niche, I don't know if niche is the right word, but the niche of this movie really being good lies, in my opinion, is those wham-bam moments of either comedy or super surprise. So I'll give you three yeah. three off the bat to kind of give you my idea, and then you can elaborate on it. So we got the kid getting hit by the car. That's the first one. The second one I really liked was when they're robbing the bank and the dude trips oh, over yeah. the counter and almost breaks his neck. That scene had me dying laughing, bro. Like, oh my God. And then finally, the last one, which I think was the best part of the movie, was after Heath Ledger has his whole confrontation with the guys. He walks out, that awesome song is playing, and then the little girl walks up with the gun and you know exactly what she is up to. Um, briefly, another kind of disappointing part of this movie is those weird edits with like fire and stuff where like the they, she shot the gun and then it zooms in on her eyes and there's like a little fire dancing in her eyes yeah that stuff was super lame but structurally <laughs> structurally in a screenplay when he walked out of that red hallway and she walked in dude i swear to god my jaw dropped and i was freaking out and i was like oh my god this is crazy oh my god you know what i mean <laughs> Jesus, what the, was that voice? i don't know but that's how crazy Good it was Lord. it was so crazy it brought that out of me so what are kind of the wham bam moments for you and how do you think it moves the plot forward in an interesting way um i definitely think um i think the most important one is the kid getting hit by the car yeah because um those are essentially all of those moments are essentially they're heavy beat changes where you you know something's going along and then boom you know what you're expecting totally stops changes direction yeah and that is something that's incredibly hard to do when you're storytelling, because you don't know how it's going to be received. Um, 
you know, especially from people, you really have to have everything else put together. So when that moment occurs, everything going in this new direction makes sense. And I think it does it pretty flawlessly, even though it's kind of like this, the contrast are so big between like the kid getting hit by the car and him like breaking his neck in the bank. It's like one of those incredibly tragic, aggressive establishes the revenge plot that now happens. And then the other one is just, utterly hilarious yeah and slightly changes the events but doesn't really change the major plot that like doing those that are so different like that really is what makes genuinely what makes this movie good and different and i think like highlighting those moments more would have been a lot better yeah, and uh, then using the zombie thing at all, like those moments were enough to make the movie different. And, totally agree. Yeah, and entertaining. You didn't need that extra and, stuff. And dude, you know, most of those wham bam moments definitely happen in the third act too. You know, another one I I meant to bring up a minute ago was when he's about to get shot in the head, and then he stands up and beats the crap out of those guys. Like those are the moments that everyone loves in 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 um, movies because that's when the the hero that we're following like br- like breaks breaks out of the thing. And unfortunately, I feel like most of those wham-bam moments, besides the kid getting hit by the car, don't happen until that third act. So that also goes back to what I was saying with, like, I feel like the vision really didn't come to fruition for me until everything was lining up in those ways. So I guess that could be a detriment to the movie, is that if if you're one of those people who turns a movie off after a half hour, one, I hate you, and two, you'll probably turn this movie off in a half hour and be like, well, that was terrible, even though it does eventually build up to something that I think is really great, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. You really gotta let it play because it's totally entertaining by the end of it. Um, Now, yeah, something that we do complain a lot about, um, for good reason, mind you, are sort of forced love plots in movies. Yeah. And to speak to this movie to its benefit, I think it does the, like the love interest very well. I do too. I, I, I agree. Do you want to say more about that? Um, well, you know, I think our issue with love stories is that it can't be forced because the second that it's forced, it just feels like it doesn't fit into the movie naturally. And like, it feels like they, they ran out of writing. Yeah. It feels like they ran out of writing and they want to have it. So like, um, I think you, you've seen the movie true romance, right? With like Christian Slater and like Christopher Walken. That could be a movie we could do for the show actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that movie is called true romance. So you know that the romance is going to be a huge part of it, but essentially that whole movie is about Christian Slater and I forget who the actor actresses in that movie but it's about their story in the crime and she is a huge part of it right um in this movie um the person who was super famous that i can't remember the name of without looking at it rose brine (laughs) um she um she is not involved in the crime world at all there's literally just one scene where heath ledger meets her then we don't really see them get together again until the hotel And then even after that happens, she's kind of still a huge bystander from the story. So it almost feels like she is in the same position as we are as audience members, where she's not going and shooting people with Heath Ledger. She's not going and becoming like part of the gangsters at all. She just wants to be with Heath Ledger. And so I feel like that's kind of why it was weaved in in a good way and didn't make you and I just like slap our hands to our face and be like, why is this movie giving me zombies and a bad love plot? Instead, it was like, 
okay, this is actually pretty realistic and you're not forcing me to just buy into a ton of stuff in this movie that's supposed to be like a really huge crime movie. You kind of get the why I enjoyed it. You, you feel me? Yeah, no, it, it doesn't have this sort of overarching like feel to it. It's like it's relevant when it becomes relevant. It, it seems more like real life. Honestly, then it's like if you watch a movie like Ready Player One or something where it's just like the love plot just seems so forced and they keep bringing it back and back and back. And it's yeah. just like this. You're pushing me to something that it doesn't seem like it's as important as you're making it. And in this one, it seems exactly as important as as it's being made. And you can actually see sort of the character change. We got to love character growth on this show. Yeah, fact. you can see the, the actual character growth. You know, they're actually responding to their ideas and changing how they behave around each other as the movie progresses. It's it's not just like, a, oh, I saw her and I was love struck. It was just like, <laughs> he kind of did, but we had to sort of see that development. You know, we had to see him adapt to it. We had to see her adapt to it. And that's what makes it good. Yeah, so while we're on the, the subject of character growth, let's really get into Heath Ledger in the movie, because I felt like he played a really interesting character, and honestly gave a pretty sweet performance playing that character, so I would define Jimmy as being that happy-go-lucky guy, like... In the first scene when he first meets up with um, Pando, he asks what, what the money's for. And everyone gives him a weird a weird look because you don't ask the dudes giving you 10 grand in an envelope what the 10 grand is for. You just shut up and like take it there, right? And then this dude knows he has these literal murderers after him who just want to do nothing but beat the crap out of him and shoot him in the head. And Heath Ledger, being the happy-go-lucky idiot that he is, lies to the people who are helping him out, says he's going to see his mom, and then just goes on a date in the Star Hotel. And before you know it, he's like in this really bad situation, and then that's when he has a sweet wham-bam moment of beating the crap out of the people. So... I really felt like Heath Ledger as a character wasn't just kind of like a drone who was like, yeah, he's that criminal guy who's just always been trying to get up in the ranks. Instead, I felt like he was just a happy-go-lucky kid who was in a situation where he could possibly make some more money with these guys, and it just went awry because he's just a little dumb, like going on the swim with his pants off. Like, what are you doing leaving ten grand on the beach so it can even possibly think of getting stolen? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, and I think... We sort of see that loneliness in him, which drives that love plot to an even better aspect as to him as a character. Because, you know, we see his apartment. It's just crummy and, you know, he's alone and he doesn't really have he really doesn't have any friends. The one guy that we can sort of call his friend that we meet in the beginning of the movie, you know, very quickly betrays him. And the other friend that the girl, I'm totally forgetting her name. The family that, you know, essentially does the bank robbery with the him. Um, the ginger girl, right? Yeah, like yes. he's he's not really tied down to anybody in particular. So it it makes his whole character believable why he does the things that he does. And and it it really feels like he doesn't understand the weight of the situation, dude. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that's a big part too. He seems very out there unknown. Yeah, and it's like he knows he knows Pando and he knows the people that he's dealing with. So you kind of want to just slap him in the back of the head and be like, dude, why are you going on a date right now to see this girl when you have people literally trying to kill you? And then it leads to something right away. And so that kind of brings us to the climax of when he goes back to the people pando specifically tries to give him the money and then he starts sobbing at the end bro like i thought that was really powerful like really powerful how he proved himself to pando brought back the 10 grand beat the crap 
out of the guys so hard. They weren't even pissed. They were impressed, dude. Like, the only reason they wanted yeah. to kill him was because they were out 10 grand. They had no vendetta against him as a person, and they were like, yo, if this kid didn't lose 10 grand, he actually would have been a sick addition to the team. To have Heath Ledger not only, like, point the gun in Pando's face for having the balls to say that to him, he also, like just broke right there and was like, dude, this was not the life I thought it was. I would much rather go be happy with the girl who I think I'm in love with than be almost murdered every other weekend by people who actually want to hurt me, dude, you know? So, like, yeah, that, honestly, in terms of screenwriting, storytelling, I thought it was phenomenal, bro. It gave me a really likable character, showed me how much of an idiot he was, and then brought me to a point that was like, wow, he changed. And after that bank robbery, bro, you could see in Heath Ledger's eyes how broken he was, dude, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. It really did an excellent job. Because you get those moments of, like, what what option, like, what path he's going to choose. Yeah. And seeing them sort of conflict with each other, seeing him make those dumb mistakes on both ends, and then finally make one that I think we could say is the correct choice. Yeah. That that is just great. It's a great story. And a stupid zombie thing. Yeah, the stupid zombie thing really really <laughs> takes it away. And when you, when you and I add to our list of ranked movies that we've reviewed, I am unfortunately the zombie is going to be a huge part of it because I really think that low-key is something that can ruin the movie four people you know what i mean yeah no i would totally agree you're just because like right now we're doing it we're saying all these good things and every time it's just i can't get that stupid zombie out of my head yeah yeah (laughs) exactly exactly so like you know again like i said the first hour of the movie it didn't capture me and for the first half of the movie i was watching it and i was like oh geez is this going to be one of our tough podcast episodes where we really only got like 25 minutes of content and it's going to be kind of hard to pull something out of it but as the story continued and got extremely structured in the way that everything was happening it was like dang whoever wrote this movie knew exactly what they were doing so this movie is definitely worth a watch i really enjoyed it and now i want to watch more heath ledger movies but it definitely wasn't perfect and it definitely could have come off as mediocre to a lot of people yeah i i see why it could have definitely especially with That's... the ending too dude i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to cut cut you off right there but <laughs> I, I totally cut you off right there i know that I, I, i'm sorry dude. When, when we finally do this podcast in person i feel like it's gonna be so much easier for us, for us to have like natural banter but the ending be... the ending Luke, yeah, the ending i'm sorry you, you guys know me on my tangents it should have ended seven minutes earlier than it did dude like like, you feel me? Like, when the girl yeah. walks in, shoots all those people, and then it hard cuts and doesn't show her shooting the last guy, and then he's walking away, and the amazing song is playing, roll credits, bro. Like, roll credits right there. <laughs> roll the credits. Yeah, instead we get <laughs> another zombie scene that was the worst zombie scene out of all of them, dude. When when the, they pull him in, and he has his hand over, and he's like, good luck, baby brother. And I was like, what the, yeah. what am I watching here? And then the stupid joke <laughs> about bananas on the plane. You know, like, I knew enough about Heath Ledger and um, Rose Bryan. Rose Bryan. God, why can't I remember any names? I knew enough about Heath Ledger and Rose Bryan to know that as he walked away from that red hallway, they were going to be in a relationship. I didn't need to see a moment of him going back to the apartment and hugging her. I didn't need to see a cute little joke being like, hey, they're going to make it in the end. I had enough clues from the screenplay to know that that's how it would have gone. But instead, it gave me an extra seven minutes of bad zombie stuff, and 
a cheesy love ending, bro. So if if that cheesy love ending was more in the movie, I think we would have not liked it as much as we did. You feel me on that too? Yeah, yeah. No, totally. It's kind of like, it's that moment of like acceptance for both of them. And that's sort of what makes it bad just because accepting someone that immediately somebody's probably going to get played. Uh, that's And that's like just not how like real life is. But sort of by the end of it, like, I didn't have too big of an issue with the actual airport part. Yeah. It really was just uh, that final zombie scene, which is probably why that is the extended ending version. Because everyone was <laughs> like, dude, why? Like, you had a good movie here. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, do I, why do you need to remind me of oh, <laughs> the, the crappy bad, yeah. option you made? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, it when it started i was it was very questionable but it was one of those movies that you you can't judge based on the beginning you have you have to judge the movie as a whole not based on the beginning cuz if you just do yeah. it based off the beginning then you're going to be like that was weird but as it continues in that kind of british crime way like you explained it's like okay wait why did that kid just get hit by a car oh she is broken this is really depressing oh she has a gun this doesn't yeah. look good and then you see her walking down that red hallway and just like, those are the moments in filmmaking that make people love films. You feel me, bro? You know? Yeah. Oh, I should probably also mention, because um, I don't think I actually mentioned any British crime movies. I think I just mentioned Mr. Bean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain it happens in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, I think it happens in The Layer Cake. I'm pretty sure it happens in In Bruges. Um, all movies I haven't seen, so I can't banter with you about this one. <laughs> yeah, great movies, by the way. Um, but those are just some examples that how I know because I'm not I've I don't wouldn't say I've seen a lot of like British movies. Um, but it definitely is something reoccurring in them that I see, and so I think it's definitely worth noting that that's the type because if the ending is bad for a movie, I know for a lot of or the ending is bad or the beginning is bad. I know that that can put a lot of people off for the whole movie. And like you said, you really just have to let this one play out because you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. It all comes together. Yeah, because, dude, I mean, how many movies are there where there is a person who wants to be involved in crime and has a girl with him who is also a part of that life and then things go awry? Like, that itself is not an original story in, like, any yeah. way. Like, I just compared it to True Romance. That's pretty much the plot of True Romance or, like, the Mexican with Brad Pitt that we should probably do sometime because that's a pretty good movie too. But like, like that idea of a movie isn't original. So you need to have those cool moments that make it original. And two hands definitely has enough of those moments to yeah. make me go back and watch it again. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't mind watching this movie again, especially now knowing how cool it's going to be once everything lines up. Yeah. The overall plot probably isn't unique, but everything in it and about it, it feels unique. It, it feels mm. like it fits. It works with the area. It mm. works with Australia. Yeah. It works with all the characters that we meet. And I think that's enough to make it unique. I don't think it needed anything else. Another tiny thing I did want to um, mention to you too, was I really enjoyed that scene where Pando was doing the origami with his son, bro. That really made me feel for Pando for a minute that like, okay, this dude's a massive gangster, but he's not a sociopath. He still loves his family. And not going to lie. It did make me a little sad at the end when Pando got shot in the head. I thought about his son for a he second. I was like, oh, his son, I totally, this poor kid oh can't do origami God. with his dad anymore. 
anymore, bro. Like that, I totally forgot. Right, but that that was that was again just another really subtle thing that totally could have been like like that could have been a deleted scene low key you know what i mean like it wasn't super yeah. essential to the movie but it's something that's sprinkled in there that gives it that little bit of flair that made me go oh pando died his son's going to be super <laughs> you know oh, what i mean his son's, his son's alone <laughs> yeah which is extremely real and depressing but it like and again you know i'll touch upon that too um without rambling too much the movie isn't depressing, it's funny, but it's about all these really crime-heavy things and depressing stuff happening. So, like, when the bank scene happens, it's hilarious. There's other funny yeah. parts of the moment, fu- other funny parts of the movie, too, that kind of make you enjoy it and have its own flavor, you know? Yeah, like the too-hot-to-handle thing with the car. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, yeah, and like, that was such a random scene, too. And then <laughs> Yeah, something that we got introduced to so so early in the movie, and it's like, I I remember I was looking for when that was going to become relevant, just because the movie is you know uh, two hands. I was like, too hot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> too hot to handle. <laughs> That's funny, dude. And so that was you know that again just makes it unique. The characters, great characters. Yeah. That guy that always wore the short shorts, you know, he's a little iffy. (laughs) (laughs) You always going on a run, man? Yeah, always on a run, bro. Get some slacks. Yeah, dude. So, you know, yeah, uh, uh, again, just I didn't think it was going to be the craziest movie we've ever seen. And it wasn't the craziest movie we've ever seen. But there was definitely enough there for me to say this was an above average movie. You know, even though there are the stuff that we don't like about it, I would say it's an above average crime movie. Yeah, I would say it's. It's definitely a good movie. Not a bad movie at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's well some, put, there's well some, put. There's some bad parts. but not. All right, so defining the genre, because I think that is pretty important for this one, just because the trailer did something like totally opposite to what I felt the movie actually was about. I would, I'd call it like a crime comedy. Crime comedy, yeah, good, a good old CC. I think that's good. I yeah, I I agree that I don't think there's enough action to call it an action movie. And even like, yeah, he they establish very early that Heath Ledger is really good at fighting. That's one of his skills. And there's only one scene that he really utilizes that fighting stuff. So it could have been like he's beating the crap out of people the whole movie. Instead, it was only that one moment when that skill came in handy. So I feel that can kind of go towards why it's not really an action movie either. Yeah. Um. Would you recommend this to your friends? I would. Yeah, I would. This would be a fun, like, drink, drink with the boys movie. Like, yeah. Uh, with the family? I think I think so, too. I yeah. I think my family would enjoy this. No, aren't, aren't, aren't any animals that die to some kids, but... You know. <laughs> Facts. Uh, is it a cult classic? I don't think so. I don't think so, either. Just because I really had never heard of it in my entire life, you know? Yeah, I've never heard of it. Our research didn't show us. Even if you try to Google this movie, I mean, I live near New York, and so I, if I, when I was Googling this, I Googled two hands because that's usually what I normally do. Or sorry, I searched, and uh, what popped up is just like a, a bunch of stores and places that are called two hands so there's like a million things called two hands near me. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> I had to type in two hands movie Heath Ledger, so it's like. I don't think this movie ever got a big cult following. Um, is it worthy of one? I don't know. But it's definitely a good movie that shouldn't have been. 
it shouldn't be so hard to find, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I, I rented it on Amazon and I could only rent a standard edition too. there. I don't even think it's been like remastered in high definition. Like it seems like every movie is, you know? Yeah. And a big thing we also found that this was when it was originally released, um, in 1999, uh, in Australia, it was also released at Sundance, and they didn't have a DVD version of that movie until, like, 2005. That's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, like, that seems like a very long amount of time to wait. Yeah, I feel, yeah. For a movie that's good, like, that's the thing, this movie is good. It, this really is kind of the movie that we look for, where it's, literally nobody's heard of it, and it's a good one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it has a, like, really famous actor, and this was one of their stepping stones to get there. And Rose Bryant, too, you know? Who knew that this was Rose Bryant's stepping stone? I had no idea that was going to be the case when I originally picked it. Yeah, that wasn't even the, you know, driving forces. We discovered more of the type of things that we look for with this movie. So, is it a cinephile's must-watch? I think it's I think it's good enough to be one, yeah. Especially if you're into Heath Ledger. You know, you should definitely see this one if you if you enjoy his his work. Yeah, no, I think you should too. Um, just because you know it's an Australian film, and I don't feel like there are a ton of those. Um, and I think this, you know, it's definitely unique enough. If you need to know how to sort of establish a realistic love plot or a more a believable love plot that doesn't feel forced, I would definitely watch this one. Um, anything else? Any any closing statements? Um, you know, you just reminded me again with the love story stuff that I think one of the reasons we like this movie so good is because a ton of stuff is sprinkled in and then it comes together at the end. And even with the zombie stuff, I know that we, we clearly don't like it, but the, <laughs> but the fact that it didn't ruin the whole movie, I think goes to show again that a, t- yeah. a ton of elements were sprinkled in and then by the end of the movie, everything comes together except the zombie stuff, obviously. But like... That's I think that's overall how I feel about this movie was that it was a ton of cool concepts sprinkled in along the plot and by the end it all came together and that's probably why honestly it's probably why we can enjoy the movie and not like that zombie part because of how sort of detached a lot of the things are from themselves even though they're all totally intertwined too. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to define the movie honestly. All right. Um, who did the music this week? Um, we got Schwartz, and I'm gonna try to get uh, the Dalai Lama, Father of Zen, to make a beat for us for this one. Dalai, the Dalai Lama, Father of Zen himself. <laughs> All right. So please be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Instagram to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes, and help us determine the movies we watch and future content that we can bring to you. Be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, and remember, your donations keep my blue light on. Let's try to have some fun, mate. Try to have some fun. <laughs> That's what he said after um, after a bunch of people died. I thought it was really funny because it was a terrible time to say just have some fun. <laughs> <laughs>